bless you for this opportunity to get into your word on this morning. Lord, we pray let revelation knowledge flow freely, unchecked and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. Father, I pray that you would indeed speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. I pray, Lord, none of me and all of you. I thank you in advance, Lord, for a word in due season. Holy Spirit, you are indeed welcome in this place to just minister to our hearts on this morning. Tailor the word for us individually, God, and we give you praise for that in advance. Let revelation indeed illuminate those areas in our heart, God. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you'll do, everything that will be done in this place. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher and our guide, and so we yield to your presence. It's in Jesus' name that we pray for articulation of your heart. Amen, amen, amen. Let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on an everyday basis. And everyone said, Amen. The training center, of course, is. Let me share everything that's working here. The training center is a family church commissioned to evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, ministering to the whole man, the whole man's spirit, soul, and body. Through the ministry of the word, with practical applications, we train believers to become mature, biblically-centric leaders, equipped to minister the heart of God to their generation, thereby living intentional lives of purpose. It is the intent that I believe God has for this church that we are a church that develops leaders into moving into their divine assignments. He said, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well, we understand in order to make disciples of all nations, it does require for folks to get born again. You got to get in the kingdom if you're going to work for the kingdom. But after you get born again, I believe it's incumbent upon the believer to pursue the things of God, to figure out how to walk by this area of faith. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word. When we begin to walk by faith, and then we are now getting into a position where God is able to use our lives. He's able to use our lives. He's able to do things through us to accomplish his will in the earth. And I believe that is the thing that God is looking for us to do. He's looking for us to be, particularly in these last days, that he wants to find people that are yielded to him to do what his assignment is on the earth instead of pursuing your own agendas and your own pursuits. And so we've been looking at, for the last couple of weeks, this particular area of knowing and hearing God's voice, knowing and hearing God's voice, or to be led by the Spirit, because God is interested, again, in a pursuit of his purpose over that of our own, that he's looking for people that are yielded to what his desire is for you in that community, for you in that neighborhood, for you in that church, and not just you doing your own thing. And so for those that are willing to hear his voice, those that are willing to yield to his presence, we got to understand that he wants to speak to us. John chapter 10 and verse 27 has been our foundation for this particular passage of uh, teaching or this section of teaching. And we've looked at it and it says, I, the King James, my sheep hear my voice 
and I know them and they follow me. He says, my sheep, which indicates a personal connection to his sheep. He says, I am the great shepherd. I am the Lord. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He says, Jesus speaks about this. And he says, my sheep, they hear my voice. They listen to me, the Amplified says. I know them and they follow me. And we said before what that essentially means. He says, Jesus says, my sheep, those that are responsive to me, those that are listening to my voice, they hear my voice. So we don't have to question whether or not we hear the voice of God. We do hear his voice because we are his sheep. He says, they are known of me, so I don't have to question whether or not God knows me. Well, I didn't feel anything this particular Sunday. I didn't feel anything that particular week. Well, God knows me. He's aware of everything, every circumstance that I am engaged with. And he says, they follow me. So this may, indeed, it separates those that are his sheep as opposed to maybe just church folks. His sheep as opposed to maybe just religious folks. He says they hear my voice. He says they're known by me. And he says they follow me. Which means they understand the humility of following what God is telling them to do. It does take a level of humility to follow God. Because we have our own pursuits, our own agendas, we have our own ambitions, and to submit to what God is saying over what, what we perhaps want to do is the pursuit of humility. God, you actually know more than me. God, you actually know my ways more than me. You know my directions more than me. God, I'm a finite and you, a finite person, I have a beginning, I have an end, but God, you yourself, you are omniscient, you know all. And to submit to God's will is the act of humility. I can't tell you how many times I've run across here recently people that they don't get that this area of submission is so vitally important. Whose agenda am I pursuing? Whose ways am I pursuing? Am I pursuing the kingdom of God or am I pursuing my own thing? God says, they hear my voice, they're known of me, and they follow me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Let's look at that really quick. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. And he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Amplified, of course, says it like this. For as many, for all who are allowing themselves to be led. And that's the question that we always have to ask ourselves. Am I allowing myself to be led by God? This past week, um, I, I, I went up and I went into the north and uh, we were we were just open because I'm like I'm like okay knew when we left this time last week that there were certain things that God wanted us to do didn't know exactly in what order <laughs> so we went here and then you know and then I, I thought at one point in time we were supposed to maybe cross over into another state and I, I contacted them I didn't hear anything back but at the same time, I felt like on the inside of me, I was supposed to spend a little bit more time in perhaps in Pennsylvania than I was perhaps in New York. And, and I just saw that as we just moved in the areas and the places where God assigned us to go, that everything just worked out the way it's supposed to. We were, in, we were in Raleigh when we needed to be in Raleigh. We were in Washington, New Jersey when we needed to be in Washington. We were, we were in Philadelphia when we needed to be in Philadelphia. Because the key of it is, are you allowing yourselves to be led? Allowing yourselves to be led means that I am open to God's divine interruptions of my agenda. 
God, I'm going this way. I thought, this is the way I thought we were going. God says, yeah, I said go this way. I understand. I need you to take this detour and go around here real quick. Are we open to the divine interaction or distraction? Not, not really, let me, let me correct that. Not a distraction, but a divine detour where he says, I need you over here right now. You remember with Philip, he, he had an agenda and the angel of the Lord literally picked him up and carried him down to the Ethiopian because it was a divine interruption of the agenda because God says, I need you here. You remember over in, let's look over here really quick. I'm going to be a little bit off notes. So I'm going to try my best to stay on it. If, if you have in the back the outline for led by the spirit, you'll see this on page number two. It says in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, it indicates this. It says, out of the New International Version of the Bible, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to the village where a woman named Mary, I'm sorry, Martha, opened up her home to him. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. And I'm going to stop there for the sake of time. What is the situation? Mary and Martha are two people that are known of the Lord. Mary and Martha have a relationship with Jesus. Martha is concerned, according to the scripture here, about all of the other stuff. See, Jesus is coming to their house. Jesus is going to enter into their presence. And Martha's like, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to be involved with this. And none of these things are bad. The things that were on Martha's heart weren't a bad pursuit. It just wasn't the correct thing to do right then. Mary, on the other hand, had a pursuit of, no, I just want to sit and listen to the presence of God. I want to sit and listen to the voice of God. He says in verse 39, and she, uh, she had called, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. And later on, the scripture goes on when, when Martha gets upset about Mary sitting at the feet of the Lord because Martha is like church folks. She's like, don't you understand? We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to be involved with this. We got to get all these things done. And, 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 she, and Martha comes to Jesus and he, she, he, he, she, she kind of upset and she's like, Lord, don't you understand? We have all of these things on the agenda. And Jesus says, now what Mary has chosen to do is more important than what you're doing. Not that what you're doing is wrong. Not what you're doing is not important. She says, he says essentially, first things first. Mary is sitting at my feet listening for directions, listening for instructions. When God is speaking to us, when he's directing us, all we, those that are busy about everything, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing this, that we forget the basic principle of sitting at his feet and listening for the direction. God, what are you saying? What's your agenda? What's your heart? Part of knowing this area or understanding this area is to know God, knowing him or knowledge of God. To spend time listening to his voice is this area of knowing him intimately. And I personally believe this is, this is one of the areas that God is, is directing everyone that's connected to this ministry to make sure that we got the right things in order. That we know him by knowing his voice. That we spend enough time with him that we can recognize his voice in a crowd. That we can recognize his voice when everything around us seems to be moving and shaking and changing. Because I don't know, I, don't know, I keep running across everybody connected to us is in the midst of a big shift and change. 
And there can be so many different things to distract you this way, to move you that way. And none of those things are bad. None of those things are out of order because, yeah, you got to pay attention to what's going on over here. Yes, you got to look at what's going on over there. But God keeps saying, I need you to understand that I have to be first. Seeking my will, seeking my presence has to be first. Because one, that's how you keep this area of worry and distraction out of your life. This area of anxiety out of your life because first things are first. You know, you can have all kind of things, storms going all around you. But Jesus shows us in, 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 that he's the picture of peace be still. That you can be in the midst of a storm and still walk in peace because I know my shepherd. I know his voice. I spend time with him. So we said knowledge of God. <clears throat> knowledge of God is knowing God, knowing his voice. And we indicated to you in the past these basic principles about the essence of his voice. The essence of his voice. We indicated to you as well that the word essence literally is defined as the intrinsic nature or indispensable quality of something. When God speaks to us, there's always, always, he's always speaking from this particular perspective because this is a part of who he is. We indicated to you that when he speaks, he's always the voice of truth. He's always the voice of truth. Over in uh, get all my notes together. Over in uh, John chapter 18. Let's look at that really quick. John chapter 18 and verse 37, now the King James. John chapter 18 and verse 20, I mean 37. When God speaks, he's always the voice of truth. He's always the voice of truth. And I want to slow down just a little bit here because one of the convictions I've also had is that, you know, sometimes I run a little too fast. <laughs> Let's do a little bit of review this morning. He's always the voice of truth. John chapter 18 and verse 37. This is Jesus and, and Pilate. And he says, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. And then notice this last part. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. You know, this is one of the areas that we have to make sure that, um, that we, we, we understand in these last days that we got to understand as we're in this world that we're in today where deception and lies are, seems to be the norm. People that used to, um, to relegate uh, lies to being something that's incorrect and we shouldn't do this, you know, have seemed to just kind of move and mold it into the fashion or the notion that it's okay to lie just a little bit. Church folks that used to say that, you know, we have to be people of moral conviction, have seemed to shift it with politics instead of the church being the standard of holiness and that we are the ones that shifts politics into where, we're, where we are as opposed to we're shifting into politics the way they are. He says, those that hear my voice, I am the voice of truth. He says, everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. 
If I'm of the truth, I hear the voice of God. He is the spirit of truth. John chapter 14 and verse 16 through 17 indicates to us that the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So anytime God speaks to me, he's always going to speak the word of truth because that is who he is. He is the spirit of truth. And again, I've said before that it may not be the truth that you want to hear. But it's the truth of who and what is. God calls balls and strikes. He says it plainly. He tells you, look, this is what's going on with you. You might receive it. You might not. But God will call it straight. God's voice also is he's always the voice of love. Because God doesn't have love. He is love. So anytime God speaks to you, it is always from the perspective of love. The next area is that God's voice is always the voice of faith. The voice of faith. God always speaks to us and calls us to an area of faith. What is faith? To trust him. To trust his word. To trust his voice. When he calls you and he speaks to you, it's always going to be from the voice of faith. And last but not least, we say when he speaks to you, it's always going to be the voice of peace. The opposite, of course, of these areas is the voice of a lie, the voice of a hate, or the voice of fear and the voice of worry. When I hear the voice of worry and anxiety, we're not hearing the voice of God. And we got to make sure that we spend enough time with God that we hear his voice. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He's always the voice of faith. If I'm getting too much worry and fear, if I'm getting too much areas of hatred in on the inside of me, it's because I've allowed it to be pumped in from the outside. God's voice on the inside of us is always, always the voice of faith, the voice of peace, the voice of love, the voice of truth. If you understand that, say amen. All right. Knowing God. Knowing God. Now, I want, to, I want you to look at this. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, and I thought this was very interesting. He indicates this. He says, if you wish to know God, you must know his word. If you wish to know his purpose before it comes to pass, you can only discover it by his word. His word is what opens and reveals purpose in our lives. His word to us is what unlocks the deep secret mysteries of, of his agenda into our lives. Knowing God, his word then becomes vitally important. Let me give you this other concept out of review. First, uh, second Peter, first uh, one and verse three, he says he's given us everything we need. And we indicated the concept is to live a lifestyle of agreement with him. What is the lifestyle of agreement? It is a life of holiness. We indicated to you that holiness is not a life of long dresses, no makeup. It is not a life of being so religiously deep that you're spiritually no good. A life of holiness is where my life is in agreement with the purpose and the mind of God. He says he's giving you all things that pertain to life and godliness through knowledge of him. We say it is to live a lifestyle of agreement with him having a right perspective, judgments, and opinions. You know, spending time with God, it will change your perspective. Spending time with God will change your judgments and your opinions. Can God correct your opinions, your deeply held thought processes? And we indicated to you that it results in a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and actions. But he indicates to us it's only through a knowledge 
of him. Now watch this other quote I saw that I thought was good. He says, one of my favorite authors uh, that's going on to be with the Lord was Dr. J. I. Packard. He said, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, the most, most of life's problems fall into place on their own accord. Once you become aware that your main business, your main agenda, your main purpose, the things you're here to do is to know God, then every other problem in life begins to be relegated to this realization of it's to know God to pursue his purpose. God's given us everything that we need to accomplish his will and his purpose, but he says it happens and it is accomplished through knowing him. Now, apart then, for we've said, of hearing God's voice, knowing the essence of his voice, when God speaks to us is this next area that nobody, no one, nowhere avoids, and it is this area of waiting. Nobody avoids this. God speaks to Noah. He says, listen, I want you to build this huge boat. Immediately, the next thing Noah has to do is wait. God speaks to Abraham, and he says, listen, I'm going to bless you. There's some things that happen immediately. But right after God speaks, the next thing he has to do is wait. Skip forward a couple years. We talked about David. David is literally called from the backside of nowhere. He's anointed to be the next king of Israel. And the next thing we see is that he has to wait. There's a connectivity between God's voice, God's speaking, and our waiting. You're not going to avoid it. God speaks a word to you. He shows you a vision. You get excited about it. And the next thing, you're waiting. God shows you, this is what I'm going to do in your life. This is what's going to happen. And the next thing you will find after the mountaintop experience is that he sends you to a position of waiting. If Jesus could be anointed of God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came down upon him as a dove to commission him into the work of the ministry. And the next thing we see is that he's now got to wait. Nobody escapes waiting. Nobody, nobody escapes waiting. Now, let's look over here at Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Nobody escapes waiting because God's voice speaks to us. He gives divine directions. We are we hear from him. But the next area that always happens, and that's one of the things God kept speaking to me, is that this area of waiting is always connected to this area of hearing my voice. And we got to get to the point where we understand this is normal. It's nothing unusual that you got to wait. There's nothing unusual going on in your life that God has spoken this great word to you and now you're waiting. There's nothing. Everybody goes through this. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Now notice it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. And then he uses the term long-suffering gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. He says, but the fruit of the spirit, the spirit's work. Now watch how the Amplified says again, it says it indicates like this, but the fruit 
the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within us accomplishes, is, and then he uses the word patience, and ever temper forbearance. The um, Amplified Bible, this is the classic Amplified, the Amplified, the regular Amplified Bible indicates it says not how you, not just waiting, but it's how you act while you wait. The kind of attitude you have in the wait. You know, sometimes God will have us wait for a longer time because your attitude ain't right. We see that in the, in the wilderness that God had them wait and cultivate them into a nation and God literally had to separate the parents from the children because the attitude never did develop from a slave mentality into a free nation mentality. And so God waited 40 years in the desert to separate the seed from the parents. He says, patience, long-suffering is vitally important. It is a fruit of the Spirit to operate in patience. It is fruit of the Spirit to operate in this term, as the King James Bible indicates, long-suffering. Long-suffering. Now, the word long-suffering there is from this Greek word that literally is interpreted in three different ways that we've looked at. The first area is this area of forbearance. Forbearance, long-suffering is a Greek word. The word forbearance literally means the quality of being patient and being able to forgive. The quality of being patient and able and being able to forgive. And I've said to you before that I believe this area, this area of this translated word from this Greek word of forbearance really is talking about for people. Forbearance where people are concerned that I'm learning in the process of my weight how to be forbearing with people. People gonna work your nerves. <laughs> people gonna say things to get under your skin. And God is looking at us saying, are you a person that is long suffering? Are you a person that you heard my voice? Yes, but everything that I called you to do is attached to people. And you gotta learn in the process how to work with them. David, yes, you are anointed on the backside of the mountain somewhere to be king. But David goes through the process of learning how to work at different places in different environments. He got to learn how to deal with a boss or a king, if we can say it like that. But a boss despises him. He's got to learn how to rally his troops behind him when he has great failures and great victories. He's learning in the process how to deal with folks. When God speaks to us. His voice, it requires this area of long-suffering and this area of forbearance for people. So what's the opposite of this area of patience? The opposite, I like opposites. If I, the opposite of this area of patience is impatient. It is intolerance. It is whining. It is to be agitated. It is, therefore, to be violent. You know, you know, you, know, you ever been to like, you know, somewhere where people have been waiting in line for a long time? All of a sudden, they're waiting too long. All of, you know, they get real angry. And if they're not careful and they let their emotions get a hold of them, they'll, they'll turn very violent because they've been waiting for a while. And then some of them, they, they, after they get done cussing you out real good, they say, well, you know, i got to go to church tomorrow. Long suffering. You know, God will put us in situations where we got to be patient. I remember this past week, we were in Walmart. Dear God, it seemed like everybody, everybody decided to go to the line at the same time. And we behind two or three different folks, you know, because at this particular Walmart, they only had maybe two or three people that were, you know, you know, working the actual lines, but most of them were self-checkout. 
Well, you know, self-checkout is not for everybody. Because everybody doesn't know how to scan and move. <laughs> Some folks, you know, they got to, they take them an extra two minutes, it seems like, to find the barcode on every single piece of item they got in their basket. And I was, we were behind this couple, and I was sitting there just, I ain't say nothing, but I was just staring at them. As they would, they would just look at something, they'd say, Lord, let's see. What's the next one, baby? And, then, and, I, and I'm just sitting there. Every item, it seemed like, just took an extra two minutes. And I'm standing there, and, you know, got, got Zoe over here running this way, and the rain behind me, and I'm just standing there, and I'm just, you know, yeah, Lord Jesus. At this time, I feel impatient. At this time, I feel agitated. How do you respond when you have to wait? That might be the area where God is working these things out in your life. Little practical things. If you travel up and down the road, one of the things you're going to have to do, nine times out of ten, doesn't matter which road you go on, if you go during prime time, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait in some traffic. And we think it's a major or an insignificant thing where we have to wait. But there are areas where God will put us in positions where we have to wait because he's cultivating you. Let's look at this. Areas of forbearance for people. Forbearance of a people. Now let's look at this. Mark 11 verse 24. Mark 11 verse 24. It says, therefore I say unto you, what things whatsoever, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe ye receive them and ye shall have them. We use this as the cornerstone of faith. Man, dear God, we call things that be not as though they were. What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe ye receive and ye shall have them. And notice what happens right after that. Verse 25 says, and when ye stand praying, forgive. Sounds like a forbearance for people. If ye have ought against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. So he says there has to be a connectivity when I'm believing God for something and my heart attitude towards people. I'm believing God for this. God's going to say, okay, I need you to develop in this area of long suffering because it's connected to what I told you to do. That your heavenly father may forgive your transpasses. Let's keep moving for the sake of time. This next area of, of long suffering is, is discussed. We see the next word is this word of fortitude. Fortitude. It's another translated um, meaning from this Greek word long suffering. The word fortitude is the strength of mind. It is that enables a person to encounter danger or pain or adversity with courage, long-suffering. We are supposed to be people of forbearance and also people of fortitude. When God speaks, he's requiring from us that we walk in this area of fortitude, which is the strength of mind. I submit to you, it is a strength of mind for life's issue. Like I said before, yes, you are anointed for that particular position, but God spends time working things out of you so that you will have a strength of mind. Yes, you need to have strength in your spirit, man, but you know, sometimes you got to, this reason why you got to have a, a renewal of your mind because you got to have your mind locked that I'm going to do whatever God said, regardless of what comes. 
that regardless of the distraction that takes place, I, I saw a sister, she, she, she wrote something to us early um, this week and she was indicating some of the issues she was going through. And I, my response to her was essentially, don't you understand that's a part of this? The moment you say, God, I'm going to do fill in the blank, the devil said, oh yeah, that's what you're doing? That's what we, that's what, that's what we got going on? So let me get on them now really quick so that they can get into an area of offense. Let me get on them now so they can get into an area of where they're trying to figure out, God, did you really say this? Or, or they move into this area of confusion. It is to remove this area of being fortitude, of this area of, of being fortified against these areas because now I'm, I'm receiving so many darts. I'm receiving so many issues. Now I begin to, very, to question whether or not God spoke to me. And one of the things that God keeps showing me is that one of the attacks of the enemy is it's intended to mute us from saying what God told us that he was going to do. It's, it's to disconnect us from what he said so that we begin speaking counter to, to it so that we begin speaking against our own destiny through moving to an area of doubt and unbelief. Fortified, fortified. Let's look at this really quick. In John chapter, um, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7, really quick, he says, only, he's talking to Joshua, he says, only be, only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou may have observed to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right or to the left, that thou may have, uh, may have prosper where so ever thou of. And he says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and, thou, and then thou shalt have good success. So Joshua is our example here. That He's getting ready to take on leadership. He's getting ready to step into, into the, the footsteps of this great leader. And God tells him, before you move into this area, it's going to require that you spend enough time with me, spend enough time in my work, so that you are not distracted by life's issues. You're not distracted like you just saw your, 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 uh, your mentor. Because that's one of the issues, that's the issue that kept Moses out of the promised land. He was moved based upon the people and he wasn't moved based on the word of God. God spends more time with us in private, in quiet, developing this area of fortitude so that we are convinced that God will, even if everybody around us doesn't think he will at all. Fortitude is a firm conviction. This firm conviction is faith that God can. God can. You're going to lead something, you got to know God can. If you're going to direct something, you got to know God can. And you can't be up there shaking in your boots. You got to know God can. You might not know how. You might not know all the individual little answers, how this is going to fall together. You might not know all that, but I know he can. I know he has the ability. No, I heard his voice. I'm convinced that he will. That's the reason why he spends so much time with you in the quiet because he says, I can't have you up front if you don't recognize that I'm with you. you this relationship has to, has to be on lock before you do anything else. A firm conviction. A firm conviction. And this last area, really quick. 
of long-suffering. This Greek word can be interpreted as literally the word patience. What is patience? It is the state, dare I say, of being. It is endurance. It is consistency. It is steadfastness. It is uh, perseverance. It is the position where I am consistently and constantly the same. It is, dare I say, the essence of the person that operates in faithfulness. You know, that's one of the issues that God has with so many Christians that today you're doing this, tomorrow you're doing something else. Can he find you doing the last thing he told you to do? Can he find you not only doing the last thing he told you to do and operating that way, but can he find you doing it with the right attitude, with the right heart? That I haven't decided all of a sudden I'm bored with this and Lord ain't never going to do nothing. And then you show up. Yeah, you're doing what God told you to do, but your attitude has changed. Your, your perspective has changed and because your perspective has changed, your attitude has changed. And then God said, you, you, you still don't have the right heart yet. Long suffering is I'm consistently, constantly the same. I endure. God, you'll find me doing the last thing you told me to do. So we indicated to you. As we close, how does this work? I've been putting this together <laughs> in this series. I, I use this a lot, but how does this work? I hear God's voice. I'm supposed to hear God's voice. God wants me to be fruitful. He wants me to be fruitful. He wants me to be fruitful. He speaks a word to me concerning what I'm supposed to do. Now, his call to me now requires, notice the term, he requires that I operate in long suffering. That is this area of waiting. Well, this area of waiting and this area of long suffering, this fruit that I am supposed to be producing, it does require a forbearance, which means a forbearance for people. It does require that I have a fortitude, that means for life's issues, a conviction that God can for me, a conviction of his word, and it does require patience, which means I am consistently the same. That issues may happen, but because of the fact that I'm fortified, I'm the same. Yeah, this didn't work the way I thought it was going to, but I know God well enough to know that if that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to, he's still for me, and that means he got something else for me. That, well, yeah, yeah, I thought this one way. I thought it was going to happen this one way. I thought this was going to manifest this habit. I, I thought I was going to be at this certain place at this certain age in my life. But I have enough long suffering to understand that even though I don't understand it all, I trust the God whose hand I'm holding. I trust the word he gave me. And I understand to everything there is a season and a purpose. There's a time for every purpose. And while I'm waiting on the manifestation, I choose as an act of my will to stay in the position of trust. To stay in the position of trust means I stay in the position of, of faith. To stay in the position of faith means I stay in the position of patience. A patient expectation. God's going to do it. I don't know when. I'm not sure. I know he is. I stay in faith. I'm consistently and constantly the same. You might not believe it. I know he will. And all that matters is that I stay in faith. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we honor you and we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word on this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you shall bring it to pass. The things that you spoke to us, the things that you placed in our hearts, thank you, Lord, that you shall bring it to pass. We thank you, Lord, we choose to stay in the position of faith. We choose to resist worry. We resist and reject and 
a, a fear from coming in from the outside. We thank you, Lord, that as we just stay in your word, stay in your presence, Lord, that you regenerate and rejuvenate our strength. We thank you, Lord, that all is well in our households. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pick up here, of course, again on in the midweek. All right. As we recognize and realize over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, this is out of the English Standard Version. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful, cheerful giver. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, and he indicates the word mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, and every single week, every single month, you know, whenever we get paid, whenever the income comes in, God gives us an opportunity to authenticate our trust for him. Who it is that we're actually serving. He says, no one can serve God and money at the same time. Why? Because you will despise one over the other. That means you will devalue one from the other. I don't know how many times I've heard. Particularly, I know people have been telling me lately, you know, about job opportunities and things of that nature. And the question that I've asked is, did God send you there or are you just simply pursuing money? Now, this, this seems a little weird sometimes because we don't oftentimes put it in these terms, if, especially if you've not been in a church that teaches the word particularly in this area. If you do get a job offer and God says no, Will you reject the offer in response to what God is saying? Or will you say, well, look here, Lord. Now, look, now, did you see how much they're going to pay? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying now, I'm, you know, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. But realistically, uh, I mean, come on now, now. At some point in time, Lord, really. And then, then what begins to happen is God said no, and then we begin to justify and say, well, Lord, you know what we could do for the kingdom? I'll start giving this, and Lord, I can do this and all that. Then you want me to prosper. Now, he said no. You despise one, which means you will devalue one to serve the other. All of us has to make this kind of decision. I remember distinctly when I was offered a job a couple years ago, and it made more money. And I... I told them yes, I take the job. I know he said no, but it took me a little while for my no to match his no. <laughs> because I was looking at the money and thinking about all the stuff we could do. I prayed about it and I knew he said no. I'm just like, but Lord, look, look now, Jesus, don't don't you know what's going on with me in my house? He said no. We all have the opportunity to display or authenticate who we trust to authenticate who we trust money therefore displays your heart and your devotion it is a display of what you really trust most people say I trust God until this point I trust God or I have a devotion yes God and we put God into this religious category of something that we do in church. It's not really supposed to affect what I do on Monday. What is our devotion? 
can money make you do some things that God can't? Can your boss or your job influence your influence your actions where God can? It is a choice every single week. And that's the thing about it. That's the reason why he says, I love a person that has their heart in their giving because they are a person. They are people that are directed by me. And those are the people that trust me. The people that trust me, he says, I will exalt. The people that trust me, I will prosper. The people that trust me, he says, my grace will abound in their lives because they have decided that I'm first and the money is second. It is a choice that we have to all make, all make, all make, from the pulpit to the pews. Who are you with? <laughs> do I trust God or do I trust the money? God says, you put me first and I'll make sure that you have the money. As I said before, right here in this building alone, when we moved in here, and I remember I was up here uh, a Thursday night before the family got here and I was praying. And we were going that way. And, and the reason why we, we had the stage this way is because we had projectors that were already paid for. And I was like, we put them on the wall. We can do what we need to do. And I remember the Lord said, no, I want you to go the long way. I said, but Lord, don't you understand? If we go the long way, I can't use my projectors. And we had those that was paid for. <laughs> Let me say that again. Those are paid for. We have those. And I said, Lord, if we go this way, then you're going to you're gonna have to get a screen. She said, well, I can do that. I looked at the church account and I looked and I looked at the church account. I said, well, Lord, it seemed to me that there's a disconnect. He said, you're going to trust me, you ain't. So as you see the screens that are now up, it's because God opened the door. He takes care of us in the divine assignment that he places us in. But he wants to know, do you have the correct order? So as we take our seat online, of course, we have so many people that give and we thank God for the ones that give. We thank God for the members and the partners that are not physically in the house, but that follow. I, in fact, was contacted at least by, uh, well, I was contacted one degree or another by two people this past week. They asked us, okay, where was the broadcast from this past week? Because I was looking. <laughs> and I didn't see it up there. And I said, well, you know, I am me. I had one brother, I was, I was, we just got off the road and I was laying down. He said, well, let me just call up there. Because <laughs> I was looking and I was looking for, for the, for my food and, and uh, there wasn't nothing up there, you know. And I was tickled a little bit because uh, I was like, well, I said, well, praise the Lord. Can't be moved by the folks that you see in the house because we have a lot of people that follow us uh, that are not physically uh, in the house, but we thank God for them. But we thank God for also all the ones that sow and give online because this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing in their lives. And so if you give by your phone, when you give by your phone, you give by the internet, we just want you to <clears throat> lift it up before the Lord and thank God for the ability to give and thank him that he's the one that will prosper in that area. So let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to give and to sow seed. We thank you, Lord, for whatever way that we are giving, whether it be physically, whether it be online, whether it be through text, whether it be through uh, giving through cash out. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would multiply seed to the sower. Thank you, Lord, that as we trust you with our money, we thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of our lives, that you're Lord of our income. That means that you have the mastery over it. 
And God, you're able to prosper us and take care of our family. And Lord, as we make this exchange of trust, we thank you, Lord, that we believe we've received all is well in our house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Thank you for joining us here at the Training Center. If this is your first time joining us, we'd like to welcome you. We thank God for you taking time out of your schedule to be with us to worship. If you're joining us by social media, we'd also like to welcome you. Thank you for taking the time to spend with us here at the Training Center. If you're here in our city or if you're coming to our city and would like to join us in live person worship, you can join us at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B, Gastonia, North Carolina. We thank you for your time and we thank you for joining worship with us. 